Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Hello and welcome to another episode of of the Woot and Why show. Did I stutter? Did I stutter straight off the bat? I'm, I'm left speechless at the events of today. Uh, a huge shock across the uh, the landscape. Donald J. Trump is now the president of the United States, all from January. And uh, to talk all things election, Ed Football. I've got my buddy Josh Woot joining me. How are you, mate? Uh, it's a sad day. It's sad. It is a very sad day. <laughs> It is, uh, yeah, if you go on Twitter, it's just an absolute wasteland. I've been trying to just, you know, cheer people up a little bit. It just seems to be all doom and gloom. We've got to try and think of the positives. Um, for me, the positives are Saturday, Saturday Night Live, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon have got four years of material. Uh, that's yeah. that's the one positive. Um, Emma on the lounge watching Trump's speech. I think she was she was nearly crying, man. It was, um, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, no, it's uh, a joke. Yeah. But... We'll see. We'll see what happens. The people voted. It's a fair result. And, you know, they've only got... If they want to blame someone, it's it's themselves. I know it was... Uh, when you look at all the different maps, at the millennials, all the young people around our age all voted Hillary. It was it was, it was was the old older fogies and whatnot that uh, voted for Trump. So it's a real divide across the states. But for me, uh, the highlight of the day in terms of presidential stuff was Meta World Peace. Did you see him tweeting about... Um, what he would do if he was president? No, tell me, tell me what he said. He started a hashtag uh, called "If Meta was president," and he said uh, he just had all these different tweets. So he said his secretary of defense would be Ben Wallace. Um, he said he'd get all his work done early and leave after three months, but still pay himself for four years. Um, he would make five hours of comedy per year in front of a crowd, mandatory, similar to community service. He'd have this Saturday... is the most random thing I ever. Know. He'd have Saturday salsa night in the White House. <laughs> Jesus. I would, require game... I would require Game of Thrones only take off summers, only two months off. I am waiting. Hurry up. And I would put a limit on the size of, fa- of a fake, of how big a fake booty can be. Some are way too big, which I could not agree more. Oh, my God. Some are just ridiculous, so... Uh, Meta World Peace providing some great content today. I thought he was gone. Hashtag I content. Was <laughs> I, was expi- well, I, I was explaining uh, this to Emma, and she said, who would name their kid Meta World Peace? And I had to explain that he had changed his name and, and whatnot. So, yeah, there's just so much stuff happened this week, With uh, apart from the election. What about that Jared Hayne uh, porn scandal at the high school? That was hilarious. Um, I mean... Kind of hilarious. I mean, it's pretty messed up, but yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know. Things have come out that it, you know, it's it wasn't him. Oh, it no, was it wasn't him, but it's very just awkward like, situation. Yeah, it's just an insanely like you doing a seminar on like hacking and like antiviral software, and you leave the Wi Fi network open for. For anyone to just hack on to. You mean, you mean former Wooten Y sponsor Norton Antivirus? Yes. yes. Well, we can openly talk about them now. They are, we shouldn't go too hard on them. They did, uh, they did supply for us uh, a very generous uh, pay packet. And look, we the competition winner came from our show. So, But uh, yeah. It, you know it. <laughs> unbelievable. And then last night, First Dates AU, our uh, school buddy Brent... Uh, he went on a date with the girl who got a refund from eHarmony who couldn't get uh, a, a match on eHarmony, the popular... Is it a worldwide dating website app? No. Just Australia-wide? go worldwide. Okay, Australia's number one dating site, I guess, similar to Australia's number one NFL podcast in Washer. I, but... thought, I thought Ashley Madison was... Oh, that's no. very popular. Very popular with the <laughs> Y audience. Uh and former Wooten former Wooten Y sponsor Ashley Madison. 
Um, which kind of is funny as well because they also got hacked. Um, Ashley Madison as well. Uh, you know, in a, in a strange turn of events. But uh, yeah, date. Uh, Brent went on a date with this girl, Roxy. Did you watch the program? I did. Uh, what which, embarrassing? How how would you describe situation. Brent's performance? How would I describe it? <laughs> Mate, I, I don't know. I was it just felt, it felt like a it felt like a bad um, Australian Idol audition. Like it just I don't know. It was just you wanted to watch to see what happened, but it was just so awkward and like, painful at the same time. It's like driving past a car accident, really. Like you you don't want to look, but you cannot look away at all. No, but see, I wanted I really wanted to watch this. Oh, but, same. Uh, but it was it was just cringeworthy. Uh, we uh, we Skyped a former girlfriend of his that we know quite well, and she watched it. She's in Scotland at the moment, and we laughed. So across two continents, we were laughing at this entire... Her obsession with foot massages and feet was e- extremely creepy. Extremely creepy. Yeah. But, I mean, if you read the article that came out in the Sydney Morning Herald, it comes out and shows that it was a bit blown out of proportion and that she was... She could see how disinterested he was in the whole thing, and that she was just stirring him up at the end. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I didn't read so, that award-winning piece of journalism today. Uh, no, I mean but apparently it doesn't paint Brent in a very nice picture. Oh no, not good, not good. Oh, what a what a what a surprise! <laughs> <laughs> I also love that he said, "What type of music are you in?" And she just goes, "Acon." Like, not a genre, yeah. not even a like a current but, rock star, ACOD. Well, you know what? It nearly is its own genre, because no one sings like that weird high-pitched man. <laughs> He's the and... fast and furious of the music industry. <laughs> its own genre. Yeah. It's its own genre. Yeah, but I mean, fast and furious are somewhat successful. Yeah. Anyway. ACOD <laughs> shots in the first seven minutes. We're on Shout fire. Shout We're Bring on it fire. On. Former sponsor of Why Acod. <laughs> Sorry. Um, also, Brent referred to himself as a rap superstar on the show. Apparently, that was supposed to be a joke, but didn't come across like a joke to me. No, literally, it came across like he was prepared. He was like readying himself, but it was just—it was all awkward. Mm. It was so slow moving. I felt like they cut away, and the, they were talking about the same thing for like. Every single time they cut back, it was just, ah, uh, mate, it was, it, it went on and on and on and on. And like our mate Kurt said, his favorite quote was, ha, 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 feet, ha, 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 ha. That's essentially all it was. It was. The whole that was time. it. And then it he, op- he offered her a, uh, a nightcap afterwards and uh, agreed to a second date. Now, last week when we saw the promos, I, uh, Stalked his Facebook friends list, and she was listed as a friend. I, I stalked again last night. No longer friends on Facebook. So an exclusive, oh, really? exclusive scoop here on reality dating shows in Australia. Brent and Roxy are no longer Facebook friends. So the second date, I assume, A, did not happen, or B, did not end well. Uh, talking from the article's perspective, it never happened. Yep. And he also... I don't know. He essentially attacked her and called her weird and all this other stuff, and then yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think he agreed, so he didn't want to publicly. Like I think Brent, like Brent's a nice guy. I think he's too nice to let someone down on national television. I think he would rather be just like, oh my god, Brent went on a second date with this girl, rather than let someone down on television. I think that's the avenue. He didn't seem too keen for the second date, just based on the body language, but. Oh well, it was a bit of fun and laughter, and you know he, you know he called himself a rap superstar, but he did sing "Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous" at our Year Seven retreat. So is that classified as a rap? Hardly, I think. Yeah, no, very yeah, punk rock, right? But yeah, completely. They're so punk, those guys. <laughs> he, I remember fondly that that wasn't a very, uh, in, very good performance from Brett. I don't remember any singing performance at high school that warrants any recognition whatsoever. <laughs> we were a poor, we were a poor year group vocally, music-wise. I yes. still remember Ken. We had some, we had some talented uh, guitar players and things like that, or guitarists, as they want to be called. Yeah, but 
no, yeah, voc- no vocally, vocally, a lot <laughs> was, yeah. uh, look, you know. Grades above us, though. Alfie Akuri wins The Voice. So, you know, look, the school's okay, just talent-wise, talent not ideal yeah. in our grade. <laughs> definitely, I definitely. Sti- I still remember Kenneth singing Helicopter by Block Party. I still have nightmares. But anyway, let's, uh, let's get into some actual football talk, and we'll move on from the doom and gloom of the election and... Jared Hain porn scandals and uh, our our buddy Brent on first day to you. I'm going to start in Seattle here, and this this is technically news, but it's also a little bit of a recap of the chaos that happened in Seattle on Monday Night Football. The NFL will review the performance of referee Walt Anderson and his officiating crew. After the bizarre first-half sequence from the Seattle Seahawks' 31-25 win against the Bills, there was just a whole heap of drama and chaos in that final 15 seconds. It was uh, it was just unreal. I, I guess that kind of 10 seconds is like a, a mini 2016 in a nutshell, really, when you think about all the events of this year in terms of football and around the world. Just a crazy, bizarre, just, I don't know, mess, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's gotten to the point where I don't know what to expect from this season anymore. I... Yeah, we're going to get to that later Se- in the show. Seattle's just a weird team as well. Like, you just don't know how they're going to come out any given week. Mm, and you I... think they're going to fire offensively. And then, like, I mean, they did score a lot of points. But it was like they had two main targets and Jimmy Graham and Doug Baldwin. And the rest was just... Mm. You know, that's... <laughs> I saw a good tweet from uh, Zach Whitman, who I follow. He's a good Seattle uh, guy. He does a lot of the spark stuff in in the draft season and whatnot. And he said, why can't the defense be good when the offense is good and vice versa? Like, it is funny that they finally get their offense going, but then they leak 25 points. But then two weeks ago, they had a six-all tie. It's a very strange team. And it, it, it rings well with a lot of teams. You see teams often involved in shootouts. And their defense works one week, and then it doesn't work the next. It was a it was a weird game, but we'll get we'll get to Seattle later in the show when we talk about this whole entire season because we are now, I guess, officially at the midway point because each team's played at least eight games. But this series of events was just insane. So the Bills attempted that fifty three yard field goal with three seconds left at the half. Sherman jumps early, takes out Carpenter at the knees, blocking the kick in the process. It's a uh, it's supposed to be a personal foul for unnecessary roughness. Dean Blandino confirmed that that was the case, and and then that meant that Carpenter, who then was injured and attended to on the field, shouldn't have sat out a play, which is exactly what happened. So then the Bills decided that they were going to spike the ball so they could get Carpenter back on the field, and then they did that. But then the referees took so long with the ball that then there was a five-second delay. Of, uh, there was a delay of game penalty for five yard field goal so the 48 became a 53 yard field goal attempt and then Carpenter missed the kick so that is that is what happened in three seconds of game yeah which is essentially like (laughs) I don't know (laughs) it's insane I just don't understand how it's not technically why they're not ruling that an unnecessary roughness because look we love Richard Sherman but that looked very suspect for me like I know he had his hand on the ball and he was going for the ball but I feel like he could have hit Dan Carpenter at a better angle. I'm not going to go that angle. I'm not going to that angle. That's funny. I'm not going <laughs> to go that route in regards to this. I yep. just like when I look at it. Yes, he could have came from a different angle, but it like no no suspicion like of Richard Sherman for me. Like I just thought he was completely going for the ball. Yep. Like I thought it was all, it was awkward as all hell. But yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, you know, coming out here and attacking Sherman. Sherman doesn't seem to be that kind of player ever. He hasn't really seemed to ever be a dirty player or anything like that. (laughs) But anyway. Like, I feel like Sherman is like, you know, you're right. You you say that tongue in cheek, but he just plays at a million miles an hour. That's just how Richard Sherman plays. He's a very physical player. Corners have to be physical because the rules suit the offense. You know, all the pass interference stuff always suits the offense and, he just plays like that. And Rex Ryan said in his post-match press conference, you're too good of a player to act like an ass." So that's what he said to to Richard Sherman. And then Dan Carpenter's wife tweeted a photo of a nutcracker this morning and said, I know what we do on the farm when a male can't control his own rage. Uh, then she said, hashtag lucky I'm not there. Hashtag Sherman 
Hashtag act like an animal, get treated like one. Sherman replied with multiple crying, laughy emojis and said, thank you, have a great day. Nice. That's how I'd go about it. It is a kicker, and then it is the kicker's wife. Yeah. So it's, I don't know, it's nearly as far removed away from a regular player as yeah. can be, nearly. I it's do... like it, only if a child replied, but yeah. Yeah, I do but... love that she's tweeting about Sherman can't controlling his rage, but she's tweeting her rage with yeah, implying that she should castrate a NFL player. That's that's insane. I know. To to be honest, the whole running into the kicker thing is, I don't know, a little bit. I don't know. It's like a little bit overdone. That you see, you see, especially those ones where to say, it's not the so much the standing leg as the kicking leg that might come down and land on a player. That's ridiculous. There was there was a play. I know I'm relating this back to Philadelphia, but there was a there was a play where one of the players dived through. And he'd run to try to block the kick. And, like, it had already been and gone. The ball had been released, and he'd run under the kicking leg. And as the kicking leg came back down, hit the player on the back. And essentially, it was like he was healing the player in the back. And then, of course, the kicker gets the penalty because he falls on the ground, you know, pretends to writhe in pain. Yeah, I, it's just some of those get called, and then I, I feel like that one should have been a rough in the past. And Blandino said that, and he also said the referees should have reset the game clock because they were handling the ball with fewer than twenty seconds left on it. So two obvious blows that could have cost Buffalo at least to overtime. But I think Seattle were the better team, and I, you know, Jordan Berry and other kickers and punters tweeted out their frustration with that not being called. And I understand they're they're specialists, they're small guys, they've got big dudes running at them. They they want to feel safe and protected, so. I understand why they're frustrated that didn't get called, and I understand why Dan Carmichael was frustrated as well. His wife took it to a whole new level, but uh, you know, personal shots at Sherman like that—it's just ridiculous. All right, moving on. NFL Network's Mike Garofalo reports that Muhammad Wilkinson missed the team's Week Seven walkthrough and a defensive meeting where his teammates had a cake to celebrate his birthday. That's why Wilkinson was suspended for the first quarter of Sunday's loss to the Dolphins. Wilkinson's had similar issues in 2015 earning a similar ban. So Todd Bowles slowly running out of patience with with Muhammad Wilkinson. He signed a five-year, $86 million contract just uh, a few months back. So interesting to see how this relationship pans out moving on because Wilkinson now it's a repeated offender and it's he missed his cake, man. That's sad. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Each to their own. I mean, he shouldn't be not turning up to um, team meetings and things like that, but... I don't know. It seems weird. It seems what a weird thing to to miss as like whether or not it was. Um... I don't think he knew. I think it was like a surprise birthday cake. So imagine, I can just imagine all these. But is like... nah, See, I don't believe that. I don't believe that because it's it's something that he should have been going to anyway, or they wouldn't have suspended him. Like it's just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing's weird. The the whole thing is really weird. I think there's a lot of um, tension at the moment at in the yeah. in the Jets locker room and things like that. So we'll see how that goes. He's a, he's a good player, but at this at the end of the day, I don't know. It's it's looking a bit dicey. Yeah, we'll wait and see. He could be a, a potential trade chip for them uh, this off season. He was rumored to be a trade chip for them this off season. So we'll wait and see because they've got a lot of bodies there and they need talent elsewhere on the roster. So they might flip him and see what they can do with it. Uh, moving on, Blair Walsh will remain the Vikings kicker for Week 10. The Vikings worked out Randy Bullock, Kai Forbath, Zach Hocker, and Travis Coons, among others, but will stick with Walsh. He uh, missed missed that playoff, you know, the playoff victory last year, and he's been 12 of 16 on field goal attempts this year, and, and missed a pivotal extra point uh, that cost them the game against the Lions. I don't understand why they continue to roll with this guy. Yeah, the do is not good. He's, he's just terrible. flat out not good anymore. Yeah. And uh, he used to be, you know, he used to, like, he's just considering automatic. Yeah. He, it looked like it was going to be him and, say, like, Tucker for the long haul because they were both, you know, around the same time. And they were just, yeah, Walsh looked really good. And, you know, he's been anything but since he had that really, really good season. So, yeah. I mean, I don't understand when it comes to kickers and the kickers are having bad seasons. 
I can see them bouncing back for other teams, but what's the point of holding on to them unless yeah. they've really proven their worth like previously? Especially when they're now in a fight for the division. How can you rely on him to win games, especially when your roster is built the way it is to win in these close, you know, low-scoring defensive battles that you're involved in? Um, you, you need to have someone that you can trust to kick those field goals. Obviously, they think that the guys they brought in aren't as trustworthy. I'm telling you, Brad Craddock's out there. They need to make the call. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's always sitting by the phone, Brad. That's crazy. Although now that Trump's there, there might be a giant wall stopping anyone getting into America. I hope he's already over there, Brad, because uh, oh, well, he might get deported anyway. Anyway, Chris Bos <laughs> Chris Boswell, he uh, he botched the uh, onside kick for the Steelers uh, quite hilariously against the Ravens, but apparently he's nailed that Rabona before. Um, in college, he he was playing for Rice, his college team, and did it against Houston successfully. Uh, the video on YouTube is quite amazing. Like he delivered it, like it was it was killer. So uh, he's got form. But uh, Mike Tomlin had to answer questions about whether Chris Boswell will be retained uh, on the team because the, because of that failed and botched kick. But Tomlin said he wasn't ready to give up on uh, on Boswell and the trick play. He said he, we felt comfortable about allowing him to deliver that kick based on what we've seen him do in practice. And uh, if, yeah, if we've given him the opportunity, again, he would do it if he's seen the preparation all week and seen him deliver it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. After seeing that, I just thought, you know, possibly they should be uh, going with an entire new kicker. But I saw the I saw the um, the footage of the one that he did at Rice. Yep. And they, they were showing it during the broadcast that he could actually do it and things like that. But, mate, it's such a gut. In the NFL, come on. Yeah, like it's come one on. thing when you're playing for Rice against Houston. That's a totally different thing. But when you're playing for the Steelers against the Ravens in a rivalry, you've just you really got to go with the traditional one. I, I don't understand it. Uh, very suspect uh, play call. The, the it vi- looked absolutely... The vision's oh, hilarious. It looked like someone who was trying to learn it for the first time. It was uh, it was a uh, very very funny. I, if I'm Boswell, I'm not on the internet for at least a decade. <laughs> Just avoid YouTube. All right, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reporting that Jared Goff won't see the field until the Rams are eliminated from playoff contention. He said it's my understanding of the Rams' quarterback situation is that they're not going to make a switch, barring some sort of epic collapse from Case Keenum. Well, that seems to happen every week. But anyway, until they fall out of player playoff contention. Uh, Rappaport's colleague Steve White said that the Rams simply don't believe Goff is ready to play. So they're 3-5 and five at the moment. Another loss pretty much eliminates them from playoff contention. But it's just, I, I don't understand the rationale behind that decision. Can, can you understand why Fisher's doing no. this? No. no, it just doesn't make any sense. So you're waiting until the games mean nothing yep. to bring him in for, for what? Yeah. Why? It does just doesn't make sense. No. Why are you you just throwing the season away? I've got, like, not, not like people aren't expecting this team to go all the way. But why are you throwing him in when the games mean nothing? Don't you want to see what he has to offer when you know exactly? And you're like, Ugh. and you're saying you're waiting until you're out of playoff contention, like you expect to be knocked out of playoff contention, which means you don't have the confidence in Case Keenum to put you in playoff contention. It doesn't even make any sense. It's just... It's a bold strategy, Cotton. It's so just, if you're saying that he's Case Keenum's not the guy, why aren't you throwing the other... Uh, uh, oh, boy. He, uh... Fisher logic. Oh, I don't know what to... Uh, they better check themselves just, they wreck themselves, you just run out of words with Jeff Fisher. It's just at this point, it's just him being absolutely stubborn, right? Yeah, yeah. sticking to his guns. God, I hope he just gets flat out fired. That'd be great. Yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> we'll wait to see. Saying uh, that, wouldn't you rather Fisher as president? Anyway, continue. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a good question. We'll put that in on a poll, Jeff Fisher. No, that's not the poll. The poll you should have, who would you rather, President Trump or Goodell? All right. We'll do two different polls and see what the results are. I'd rather Goodell, I think. Yeah, wow. I don't know. I don't know. Trump would be more chaotic, which would infuriate and make Twitter more interesting, but yeah, I don't know about Goodell. He'll ban, tw- he'll ban the Americans from Twitter, <laughs> saying it's... 
you know, it's, it's an American machine that is not getting enough from the other countries. Cool. Anyway, all right, Falcons signed. G, General Manager Thomas Dimitrov to a three-year contract extension through 2019. He was almost fired in January, but he's been rewarded from their ter- from their turnaround this season. Uh, so he's he's done well with uh, some two two good draft classes in a row, and then obviously nabbed Mohamed Sanu and Alex Mack in free agency. The Sanu deal, you know, we were very critical of given what was on the board, but Sanu's played quite well and proven to be a reliable target off opposite uh, Julio Jones, but they've still got a lot of work to do on defense. So it's an interesting re-signing. I thought they could have probably waited till the end of the year and see how it all pans it out. But uh, obviously they want to keep him around and they have faith in him to continue, you know, building this Falcons team into something special. Yeah. Or I think Dimitrov would have used, Dimitrov, Dimitriov would have used, you know, the start, that they've had to this year as leverage to get this done now, or you know, he'd walk somewhere else. Mm. I think I think the Falcons have seen what he's done, and they've just seen all right. Maybe maybe we do have yeah. the right guy. I just thought. I that, think I Mah- just... the whole Muhammad Sanu thing. He has played well. I still don't know if it he he's playing to the level of his contract. I think Marvin Jones is. Oh, absolutely. But Muhammad Muhammad Sanu. Yeah, still jury's still out on that. Alex Mack has made a world of difference though, so that Huge. was a. That's, that's, that was great. That's been unbelievable. I just think maybe the Falcons, given this hot start last year, would have been a little bit more reluctant to wait and see how the, the final standings were at the end of the year. But you're right. Dimitrov probably would have said, well, I can go somewhere else if you like, and and you might regret it. So we'll wait and see. There's there's a lot of some there's a lot of bad managers, general managers in the NFL. So, uh, you know, he's middle of the line and has, has potential and shown it. So we'll wait and see how he pans out uh, in in continuing this Falcons uh, building to make, to make them a uh, an elite team moving on. You got to get out of here. This is crazy. You're so weird. No. <laughs> You're really weird. You're so weird. All right, our weird web story this week involves my Colts, and it's uh, it's by uh, Daniel Hansis of NFL.com, a, a young and up-and-coming writer at NFL.com, Daniel Hansis. Colts only win at Lambeau when Animal gets loose. So on Sunday, the Colts might have saved their season with a big road win over the Packers, the team's first win at Lambeau Field in almost three decades. That's not the strange part, though. What's weird is the thread that ties these conquests together. Both featured wild animals running onto the damn field of play. The first incident occurred during a November 13, 1988 game, uh, which... A disgruntled fan brought a turkey to the stadium to express his displeasure with the crappy pre 5 Green Bay team. As you do. Yeah. My question before we continue is how does how do you smuggle a full grown turkey into a into a uh, NFL stadium? How do you get that past security? Yeah, I don't know. They just they they look in your bags and they just go, huh? Oh, no glass bottles. You're all good. And then just let them go. I think that's how it. I think that's all they're looking out for. Oh, yeah, I don't no glass... have any rules in regards to live animals. Okay, plastic bottles, fine. Turkey, no explosives. All right, continue on. Say, saying this, though, did you see midweek that one of the football clubs, I'm not sure, it was in one of the European countries, got it's close to 50,000 euros or pound fine for throwing a severed bull's head onto the field? No. Serious? That's that's a bit insane. Yeah, I saw. Was, I think it was a pretty big rivalry game when you're throwing a, an entire bull's head out in the field. That's that's it's crazy stuff. How do you get that crazy into a stadium? Stuff. Because that's got huge horns and everything. I'm not, yeah, I don't know if it had horns on it or not. Oh it's wow! Just, I saw as well that last week a soccer guy kicked a fan in the face. Did you see that as well? Yeah, I'm not sure what he said. But, yeah, uh, stood up on the railing and just it. kicked kicked the person in the face. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Um, what was I going to say? One we- other weird web story that is so re- relevant today. Yes. Did you know that Donald Trump has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize? No, I did not. No. Look that up. That's true. That is actually true. Can you believe that stuff? No, I cannot. Anyway. He, he, did you also know that he uh, owned a majority stake in a failed NFL football league called the USFL? 
No, but it yeah. wouldn't surprise me. So that also went he makes out. some very good business decisions. <laughs> yes, I'll finish my weird web story. So then, during the Colts' thirty-one to twenty-six victory on Sunday, that game was interrupted by the Lambo squirrel. Dan suggests that the squirrel was protest of a protest work by a fan upset with the squirrely nature of the Packers' offense. This season, he then says, I'll see myself out. Did you see the squirrel, the Lambo squirrel? I did. It was amazing. I did. It was funny because you, you could tell how badly they wanted to get this play, that playoff. And then both teams were like, oh, but there's a squirrel running around. And you could tell then you just saw the squirrel running across the end zone. It was brilliant. The commentary call was unbelievable. At this point, the Colts are up by quite a heavy margin, and the Packers hadn't really scored too many points, and it was running through the end zone. And I can't remember who did the commentary, but they said they, that squirrel's been in the end zone longer than the Packers has have today, which I thought was funny. It was almost comical. It reminded me of like a Looney Tunes cartoon. There was like a cult staffer and a Packers staffer walking around with a giant net. It made me think of like all those bad 90s movies where like the animals, like Beethoven, where the pet, pet control and all that are chasing this dog through the city. It um like we could have been watching a scene in some sort of Disney movie at this point. Yeah, no, it was it was such a bizarre thing. What? It was just so weird. And then, like, I, I'm just trying to think. How, did they say how it got in? No idea how it got in. It, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's a bit different to a turkey, so I'd imagine it probably just sort of just crawled in through like a gap in the fence or, or something. I don't know. I don't know what Lambo, Lambo is quite an old, old facility. So I'd imagine it's, it's got some, uh, some renos that needed, need to be done and some, some holes in its security possibly that, uh, might, might've opened the door for this, uh, legend of a squirrel. It's very brave, honorable squirrel. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Uh, I don't know. He, it actually looked completely terrified, the poor thing. But yeah, if had I known well, had I known a squirrel was going to run onto the field, I would not have made the Packers my lock of the week. I'm just going to say that. So yeah, 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 yeah. Also, the old-fashioned yeah. reverse jigs it works. It works, buddy. Picking picking against the Colts every week for the lock of the week for the rest of the year. Philly will not win the Super Bowl. Philly will not win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Philly will not win. The Super Bowl. Uh, Donald Trump has been nominated for Nobel Peace Prize for vigorous peace through strength ideology. Is that a thing? Brilliant. Yeah. That's not a thing. Is that a that real is, is that a real award? No, it's that is why he's been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh my god. That is great. I remember I saw a guy he got nominated for spending two weeks as a goat in like on a mountain. Did you see that? Goat man? He, he got nominated for some sort of peace prize too, which is just, I don't know, I didn't realise goats handed out peace prizes. This Donald Trump thing has me so confused about people in general. Yeah. I'm it's, just completely strange, lost about it's strange, how... It's a strange year, right? Like, just, a, 2016 is a... Like, this tweet, I retweeted it, is amazing. This guy, he it's said... Like, it's like people put a bet on to see if it actually could happen, and then... People were like, "No, we're gonna get this to happen." Yeah. Like, can you imagine if this happened? And then they're just—they're just so gonna regret what's going on. It's okay. just—I'm waiting for the punchline to happen. Like, I'm just waiting for it to be like, "Oh, lols, all right, here's the real results." Scared you? Like, wake up tomorrow and everything's okay. But this—this um, this tweet was great. It says, "Seriously, in 20 years' time, and you're at a pub quiz, and the question starts with, in what year?' Just answer 2016. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy." All right, let's uh, let's move on to some of the talking points after week nine. Uh, basically, the NFL. This is just a general talk now about the the standard of the NFL at the halfway point. Now everyone's played at least eight games, so like we we, we broke the the NFL into tiers a few weeks ago at the quarter pole. But I think really now, and we had a discussion. Like everyone's middling in the NFL, and this is the this is the theory. Everyone is middling. I think there's three three and a half tiers in the NFL, and I say a half a tier is because I think there's you've got like a, a select few of good teams. You've got a whole bunch of like twenty something teams in the middle of the mediocre in the playoff hunt tier, and then you have your bad teams. And the half a tier is the Patriots, who I think are just a half a tier above, say, what Seattle, Dallas, and Atlanta. Yeah, you say half a tier, but at the same time, every single one of those games, you'd put New England in front of them to to beat any of those teams 
home or away, I think. So I think you could put them on a complete tier by themselves. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, the Patriots would be on the half a tier above those three teams. Yeah, no, but not half a tier. Oh, so you, you're if saying... It's half a tier, it's a full tier. All right, so let's just do a, four, a fourth tier. So the, 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 so the NFL is broken down right now into four tiers. The Patriots, then the good teams, then the mediocre, and then the bad teams. That's it. So you're in agreement that the good teams are Seattle, Dallas, and Atlanta. Could you throw, um, could you throw Oakland into the mix? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But saying that though, Seattle aren't doing anything for me. They're just they're winning. See, I I think that I'm giving them the like I agree with you, but I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt is because they are the best team in the second half of the season. Uh, over the last three years. Pete Carroll's got the best record of any head coach in the NFL in the second half of the season, and they always seem to work it out, and they've actually got a pretty big division lead uh, than they've had in the last few years as well. So I think they're sitting quite nice without actually playing well, and their offense finally played well, and they're going to get Chancellor and Michael Bennett back and things like that. So I I think that it would be... I, I just can't put them in the mediocre team, but I understand the re- the real the reluctance uh, not to put him in the good tier though I understand that. Yeah, I mean, there's just been so many let down other teams as well around that there around that division as well. So I mean, I don't know the teams that they're beating are having bad seasons as well. So it just it's hard to read into. It's really hard to read into. Very very hard to to read into and like apart from I guess these are your bad teams, and then it pretty much leaves everyone else open in that middle tier, I guess. Cleveland, Jacksonville, San Fran, Chicago. Chicago aren't a bad team, but they're just too far behind in their divisions to really put in that in-the-mix mediocre tier, But and the Jets. I think you're looking at the Jets, 3-6, and six, Cleveland 0-9, and nine, Jags 2-6, and six, and then you've got Chicago 2-6, and six, and San Fran one and seven. I guess you could put the Rams in there as well at three and five, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it, when you look at Cleveland and San Fran, they're just, you know, they just don't have the very minimal talent on either team. Yep. Then you've got when you look at Jacksonville, I just think they're a poorly coached team. They're like the and their most got, important player is regressing at an unbelievable rate. Exactly. So that's that happening. And then I think Chicago and New York have good teams. And I think with LA to a certain extent, but I think LA is more coaching and just lack of belief. But Chicago and New York, they both, I think, have generally good teams, but major holes. Yeah. And the holes just show up every week. In ske- and in schedule too, it's been tough for both. Yeah, and then when they have such major holes and units that are seen as a strength get injured, then it just all unravels. Exactly, and it's just it's just too hard for any of them to come back. Look, and Jacksonville had so much hype, but it's just it's purely a Bortles and Gus Bradley issue at this point. And uh, I think at this point they need to throw in the towel and and work on Bortles for the rest of this season to try and get it right for because they have the roster. Um, outside of that, it's it's a, not a bad roster. They're another draft away now. They can probably patch up that offensive line. It's a good draft, apparently, for... Actually, it's not a good draft for offensive line, unfortunately, but uh, apparently. Um, so we'll wait and see how that pans out. But the rest of the teams, it's just... They're just in this giant mess where it wouldn't surprise you if they sneak into a wildcard berth or they just fizzle out. There's, there's teams with leading divisions, and we're going to get talk about a few divisions in a minute, that are you know, that could eventually finish third or even fourth in their divisions that are currently first. It's, it, it is really insane. Uh, I just, it's just really, really weird. And then you look at football outsiders, DVOA, it's, it's, it's filling into this 2016 is a bizarre year in anything is the four and four Eagles are currently last in their division, but uh, they're ranked number one in DVOA. They're the first four and four. They're the worst team to ever rank number one at mid-season in DVOA history, and the five and three Texans are the worst team in DVOA to ever have a winning record at, mini, at, at winning record at mid-season. So that's just two opposite ends of the spectrum in this middle tier. I blame Josh Huff, to be honest. Why? <laughs> by the way, he, he, he got uh, picked up by the Bucks. I know. So that shows you how desperate they are. Stupid. Stupid, yeah, I can't. It? I honestly can't believe he got picked up somewhere else. But anyway, uh, yeah, 
it is it is a really weird season. I think I think Philadelphia would be winning the AFC South. Oh, I just they'd be winning a few divisions. They'd be probably yeah, probably be it, winning the NFC North as well, uh, and the AFC North, which was once considered a very strong division. Yeah, it's just bizarre. And I mean, Philadelphia the last two weeks of you know there's certain things that they've just put their foot in their mouth and just lost the games. And I mean, it's frustrating, but it's that is something that just comes along with growing pain. So yeah. you just got to kind of just roll with that. But you, but you're four it's and frustrating. Four. It's frustrating when you look at other divisions and you think, bloody hell, like how lucky are these teams? Exactly. And it's the AFC South, the reason Chuck Pagano is still a job, because we've been a very flawed team every season, but because we win our division, he gets the benefit of the doubt. But the reason we win the division is because the rest of the teams are <laughs> house. It's so... That's all, just... it's all you need. It's all you yeah, need. Yeah, and the, you talk about the I, Eagles. I say give him an extension. <laughs> um, someone described the election today as, Peak Paganoing, and everyone walks in. Yeah, I'm just going to vote for Hillary, and then somehow comes come out with the opposite direction, end up voting Trump. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to fire Chuck Pagano today. Hell, oh, he's a four year extension. Um, Seems about right. Yeah, uh, but the Eagles, like you're right, they're in last place, but they they outscored their opponents by a combined 57 points. They're four and four, and they've got a plus 57 point differential. That's just like that's just peak bizarreness of this season. Yep. That's super frustrating. You got no idea how frustrating it is, but I don't know. There was, Whatever. There's a good. Whatever. There's a good uh, list of some dot points here from uh, I think it was Robert Mays, and he said, "So we know the Cowboys, Patriots, and Raiders are good in first place in the division. The Broncos and Chiefs are pretty good. The Seahawks are in first place, but uh, you know, ha- seem to can't get it all together on any one given week, offensively, defensively." The Vikings are in the first place in the NFC North, but they can't throw or run, and they can't play defense either, apparently. The Texans are in first place in the AFC South, but their quarterback's a dead redwood tree. The Ravens just won their first game in over a month, but have managed to be first place in the AFC North. The Giants are in second place in the NFC East, but for huge parts of the season have looked terrible. I mean, Eli Manning just threw four touchdown passes in that game, but threw four combined the previous three weeks. And then, yeah, the Eagles are in last place but lead the NFL in DVOA. And then the Chargers are in last place in their divisions but might actually be one of the best teams in the NFL. Yep. I feel sorry. I mean, how do you make? How do you understand that mess? Yeah. Yeah. You don't, mate. You just, it's just, it's where the love of the game comes into it. It definitely makes for, like, interesting viewing because you try to, like, look at it this week and you had so many like three and five teams beating four and four teams to make them both the same. And then a three and four team beating a four and three team to make them four and four. And then you had three and five Colts beat the four and three Packers. And it's just like a whole web of just, it's just all entangled in this middle average medi. I can't even say mediocre. Are you, are you, are you ready to believe in the Raiders yet? I am. I think um, you know. I I I was ta- I wasn't trying to buy all in because they were winning so lucky early in the year with these overtime wins and one point wins of the over the AFC South. But sometimes early in the season, when you when you're trying to work things out and get things together, you just sometimes have to just come away with lucky wins against teams like that. And now they're finally starting to get a rhythm. Their defense is playing a lot better and and getting their Khalil Mack starting to to really show up. And he's still a sneaky chance to. Uh, to win our sack bet, I'm, I'm holding out hope that he can, you know, have a huge game at, at some point and really put himself back into that conversation. But we'll wait and see. But I, I feel like now they're rolling because they they put the beat down on the Broncos, like they comprehensively made Derek the, the, the score. Derek can't stop now. You reckon he's in the MVP conversation? No. Yeah, I can't. I don't. A lot of people were tweeting us on the day that he should be in the conversation, but like they won without him throwing any touchdowns at all. It was just a running game and and just. Their offensive line, like it's it's no surprise that two of the good teams below the Patriots are built on the premise of a just a blockbuster offensive line in Dallas and Oakland, and and you look at the form of Derek Carr and Dak Prescott, and it's such a help to have a strong running game and a strong offensive line. Yeah, definitely, and I mean, I mean, just the whole team is built so weird. It really is. It's just, it's a weird team when you look at it, how they've built their team over the last couple of seasons. Yes, they've had some good drafts, and, you know, obviously they drafted Derek Carr and things like that, but 
Yeah, they've got some like superstars in some positions, and then rejects in like in say the secondary where they've picked up, but they've turned out all right. And it's just it's a bizarre team, but finally the people of Oakland can rejoice that they have an exciting young team to watch that could be leaving for Vegas <laughs> into in a year when they finally get a winning season. All right, see you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. We're out of here. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Golden, <laughs> uh, but, Reg, um, Reggie yeah. McKenzie's done a great job. He has. And going up against, like, the Denver defense is something that you saw as a real test, but they just... Mm. I'll say this as well. They they were missing Aqib Tlaib, and I think he's been been really, really good this season. Um, And I think he just completes that that, uh, secondary. So I think uh, they'll be a different team at home when they play later on in the year. They're, They're always a much better team at home, and they'll bounce back. I still think they're an okay team, but I think they've just taken... A step back. So, looking at, at that division, we'll get to some others in a sec. But so, uh, the AFC West: Oakland are seven and two, Kansas City is six and two, Denver are six and three, and San Diego are four and five. It's it's a really hotly contested race, and it's looking like two of the wild cards will come out of uh, out of that division. What what are you looking forward? How do you see that playing out? Well, I'm I'm trying to think of what my um predictions were at the beginning of the season i think i had oakland winning but they had 11 wins i think i think i had them at 11 so i mean that seems still about okay yeah i, I, I can think see so. him winning that at 11 the good thing about this like division is they've also got to play each other again and they're all so close that you can throw a really like i guess oakland are just out in front but you could throw a blanket over the rest like San Diego, when you really look at their schedule, like they could finish on ten wins here and still finish fourth in the division, which is just insane. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I'm really, I'm really, really low on Denver. You're just starting to buy out. Trevor Simeon isn't quite hitting it with me. Like, yeah, um, he's not. And I mean, I think that was down to a little bit. No one knew what to. No one knew what to expect when they first. Um, you know, when he first took snaps under center and then Paxton came in and he just looked like a deer in headlights. Like he just looked out of his depth. He'd made some good throws and, you know, he did some things just based on pure athleticism and things like that. But it's not, yeah, if, you know what, if they could combine the two and have a Lynch, um, Simeon hybrid, that'd be great. And I think they'd be, they'd be well on their way to, you know, going back to the playoffs. But it's just, I don't know. Simeon doesn't do it for me. Paxton Lynch isn't going to fill me with confidence. The defense has shown that, you know, even though they're a good unit, like Latavius Murray ran all over him. So yeah, yeah, that, mean, that was that was surprising. Yeah, they're not filling me with confidence. So moving forward, I see teams like the Chiefs are always dark horses. No one pays attention to them, yep. and they just think, oh, yeah, no, nah, the Chiefs, no, nah, they, they won't be in it, they won't be in it. And then when it rolls around the playoff time, you're like, oh, my God, their record isn't as bad as I yeah, thought it was, and they just they just go in. Yeah, they they still, no matter like no matter how many times we, we say it, the Chiefs are flying under the radar, they continue to fly under the radar. It's really weird. Like People know that they're under the radar, but they still don't pay any attention to them because they just don't play a brand of football that is exciting. I think the most exciting part of their play, like their game on the uh, on the weekend, was Travis Kelsey throwing his towel at a referee in, in a massive dummy spit. Yeah, no. What was that funny or not funny to, to you? No, just just dumb. I like if I was like... if I if I was on their team, if I'm sorry, if I supported that team, I'd be infuriated. Yeah, I I didn't quite like it. I I've been watching catching Kelsey, and he, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Travis Kelsey anymore. I'm kind of I'm out on him. I'm out. Uh, I brought up our preseason predictions. I found it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you did have the Raiders winning the division. So there you go. I had them making the playoffs. Did I have them at eleven, or just there wasn't that? No, I've just got just... them. I've just, I haven't got our win total predictions, but you've got them winning the division as the three seed. I had them making the, them as a wild card, and I had the Broncos winning the division. You still have the Broncos making the uh, the wild card. So yeah, so it's interesting. We'll see. So. We had the Steelers as the one seed. How how, how wrong we were. Oh, Speaking gosh. of the Steelers, that division now, we just mentioned Baltimore had their first mm-hmm. win in over a month, and they're now the first place in that division. We've got Baltimore at 4-4, four and four, Pittsburgh at 4-4, four and four, and Cincinnati at 3-4. and four. 
who do you think wins the division? Because I know Big Ben was injured and did not play well, but the whole Steelers team, just apart from Jordan Berry, who had a, a great game, despite having a punt blocked, which was not his fault, blocked Chris Moore. Seriously, the guy ran straight at Jordan Berry without being touched. That was un- unbelievable. But, I never understand that. Yeah. I just never understand How do you leave how... a guy free? Yeah, on anything. I don't understand how kicks get blocked, punts get blocked. Like, I can understand... Like, Don't get me wrong. I can understand pure athleticism and freak strength and things like that breaking through. But when players break through untouched, like due to missed assignments, don't you know that's you have to block one player in these situations. I don't understand, but whatever. It was crazy. Whatever. But a lot of Pittsburgh problems just did not stem from Big Ben over the weekend. But the Ravens were not good. They just could not put... Pittsburgh away, despite how bad Pittsburgh played and how... Ravens aren't good, Josh. They're not a good team. They're not a good team. They're fundamentally flawed everywhere. Here's a question Here's a question for you. After seeing Tyrod Taylor play, did the Ravens make the right decision? Because they had Tyrod and Joe on their, on their roster. Like, right? No, no? No. Tyrod's not good. Really? I don't, I don't know. Right, right now, I would rather Tyrod Taylor quarterbacking my team than Joe Flacco. Right now. I'm not projecting anything. If I Just for the rest of this year, I would rather Tyrod Taylor than, than... Both are not playing good, but after what I saw, just some of those plays that he could make, I just think he... he nah, could... like, okay, so like, say you want to grab both those... One of those quarterbacks, I'm not saying for Baltimore. Say... Carson Wentz went down, and I had to pick between both of those. I'd pick Flacco every day of the week. Okay, I would pick Tyrod. Jesus I don't know. Sucks. I'd like it. he just made some some flashy stuff against Seattle. It's just I don't know. Maybe it's because he plays a more exciting brand of football. Maybe I need to really rewatch the the Baltimore game. But it was not a good performance from Flacco either. Is Cincinnati a, a, an outside chance? They're just inherently flawed too. Their offensive line's underperforming. Their run game just still not getting going and. Like, Dalton's been fine. Like, he's been good. It's just a whole heap of other issues with their team that was helping them win with AJ McCarron last year that isn't helping Dalton out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. I think the defense has taken a huge step back, and mm, yep. I, don't, I don't like that. I know the offense is taking a step back. We've mentioned this a thousand times, but yep. the defense has looked nowhere near like the unit yep. last year, and... I mean, to begin the season, I thought the Steelers' defense was going to be really bad, and then they were outperforming my expectations, and now I think they've gone back to exactly what mm. I thought they were going to be. A couple of they're injury just, issues up front. Yeah, they're just, they're, there's nothing there. Yeah. There's just nothing there. It's I, just the whole the whole division has just gone it's from a, it's a mess. this thing that could we were scared of to, oh, God, I wish we, Can Cleveland uh, win it? Cleveland! No. No. Um, I, I, I guess I trust... By the way, if LeBron couldn't help Hillary... In Ohio, in who can? Ohio, like, no yeah. one can. You don't deserve... You don't deserve him, Ohio. Seriously. That was a huge seat and you blew it. Like, it's just unbelievable. I, How I, hard is it? How hard is it, Cleveland? You had one job. The guy brought you a title and you... You just got very privileged there. You just... You thought you could just, you know, do what you want now. But anyway... I trust, I guess I trust Pittsburgh to turn it around more than I trust... I think Trump was easier to spell, and they just went, yeah. I don't think he had to spell anything. I think it's all digital, but anyway. I know. <laughs> or they just went, Trump rhymes with stump. <laughs> and then that was oh! Not a good God. joke. Not a good joke. <laughs> oh! um, I, I trust Pittsburgh, I guess, out of these three teams to, to turn it around and, and look dangerous. They, they've got a really great trio, and that's... I trust that more than anything Baltimore's got going. And I guess when Baltimore played Pittsburgh, John Harbo has Mike Tomlin's, uh, you know, has his number a little bit. He's been quite strong against them head to head. But I, I think looking at the division, I, I still think Pittsburgh will emerge. Uh, do you agree? Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, the last AFC South. By the way, we didn't mention AFC West. It, you, you just see Oakland and, and Kansas City being the two that emerge for the playoffs out of that at this point, yeah. at the halfway point. I'm still keeping yeah. an eye on San Diego as well. I'm just a really like as a, as the third option, and I don't know. I feel like three teams will emerge from that, so we'll wait and see. The AFC South: Houston are five and three, but Indianapolis. Are you buying much into their win at Green Bay? I don't know, man. It was I a weird like game. The their, their defense and special teams played a lot better than they than that I have seen all year. It was really weird. I know we've said this, but 
Titans are just the best team in the division. I just don't know what's going on. They you play- just look at all the teams, and they, they didn't play bad against the Chargers. They just hmm. they are the best team in the it's division, the, and yet they're yeah. not. <laughs> it's just the Chargers are a really good team. I feel like we shouldn't look at the record when you look when you look at the Chargers and see four and five next to their name. It's insulting. They really should be six and two. And the Tennessee took them to the limit. They took a six and two team to the limit, really, in terms of talent. And uh, Tennessee, Mariota played really, really well. I feel like just some of his picks. He, I feel like every time he throws an interception, it has to go for six. It just seems to be yeah. unlu- it just seems to be a little bit unlucky in that regard. Um, for him, but I, yeah, I, I really think, I think one of the four or five teams will emerge from Houston, uh, from the AFC South. I'm still not buying Houston in, in terms of their offense whatsoever. Yeah, and I, I, it'll be a real, um, you know, gauge to see how Titans are moving forward because they're going to play Green Bay this week. So we'll see if they, you know, Tough. if Green Bay comes into Tennessee and if they, if they just, you know, breeze past the Packers. Well, then, then we might be onto something. Yeah, and we might know more about Green Bay, who are now four and four in the NFC North. That's another three-way race now. Detroit entering that conversation with their victory. They sit at five and four. Packers' defense is putrid, by the way. Yeah, they've no Sam Shields and, and the loss of their corners, who were playing really well at the start of the season, but now it's just all falling apart. That those that that coverage allowed them to get a lot of coverage sacks and and things like that, and now it's just all falling to falling to mud. It's uh, it is interesting to just to see it unfold. But Detroit now enter that race five and four, Minnesota five and three. Matthew Stafford did something that was had never been done before: twenty three seconds and no timeouts. Apparently, teams were zero and ninety eight under thirty seconds with no timeouts in those situations, and now they're one and ninety eight. Credit to Matt Prater, though, kicking that 58-yard field goal. But Minnesota's defense fell apart in a big spot. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of just wait and see. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm in a wait and see mode because... Does someone want to win that division? I don't know. We're praying for someone to step up. I don't I don't like the Vikings moving forward. I think, they're, I think it's, their luck has caught up with them a bit. So mm. I think that... I don't like the Vikings going forward. The Bears are just, you know, yeah, no. I didn't mention them no. for a reason. No, no. And then you've got Detroit who, like, are they a good team? I feel, and then... I feel like they are because of Matt Stafford. I feel like at the moment Matt Stafford is that be- is the best player in that division, right? No, he's not the best player. You still he's think Aaron Rodgers is? performing the best. Yeah, okay, I agree with that. That makes more sense. Yeah, if you, if you yeah. said, all right, you pick a player to start oh, no, a franchise I would still around. take Aaron Rodgers, but I, yeah, you're right. I, he's, he is performing the best right now, but he is... He, I, I think Stafford, if you listed the top five players, I think he's in the MVP conversation because that team, very much similar to the Colts, terrible defense, he's carrying them and he's leading them back in these big games and has been really, I, I guess, clutch in the fourth quarter, which we haven't seen for him for, for a while. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, I guess. I mean, he's prefer- you're saying that you compare him to the Colts, but I mean, like he's Andrew Luck. Well, he threw one touchdown and two picks, didn't he? He didn't exactly carry the Colts past the Packers this week. No, he threw two picks early, but he he played a lot better the rest of the way. He came back. That's the first time Luck's ever thrown two picks in the first quarter, by the way. So, um. It- it was good to see him bounce back. It was good to see him <laughs> oh, bounce that's back. That's pathetic, mate. Wentz got there so much faster. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, he only threw one touchdown, but he did lead touchdown drives. There was just instances where Frank Gore ran it in on the goal line. So I feel like, and in the final drive, he hit Jack Doyle on a crucial third, third and long, and Ty Hilton to close out that game. But I, I think, yeah, that NFC North is is purely a, a mystery right now. Um, I can't really pick a winner at this point. It's just, uh, you know, historically you trust Aaron Rodgers so much, but again, they just went back to that vanilla, just you know offensive what? scheme. Like Mike McCartney was creative for one week. You can't do it again. Do you know what I love though? You think these, the two last divisions that we've mentioned were are typically the, the divisions that you're like, well, these are the two toughest divisions, like on the end of uh, yeah, the NFC side, and you just think how who's going to win these divisions, and then now you just you wish you were put up against those divisions this <laughs> year as part of the schedule. Exactly. Oh man, it's 2016. It is just Trump is president. 
Oh my god! Cubs are World what Series winners. Cavs are NBA champs, and and you know a four and four team is the number one DVOA in in the NFL. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, last division before we close, and we'll be quick on this. The NFC East, obviously Dallas seven and one, looks like they will uh, provide will be the winner barring an absolute collapse. But of these three remaining teams, we talked about how good Philly are despite being 4-4, four and four, but you've you got to at least give some credit to the Giants now at 5-3 and three and Washington at 4-3-1 for, for bouncing back after some uh, some struggles in the first half of the season in some patches. But can you see Philly still emerging as, as, a, as a wildcard team? No, I can't. I mean, their record states that they can, but their divisional record has put them out of it. That's why I said last week was a make or break game. I think it was huge. I'm I'm going to I don't I'm not going to comment on the Redskins because the Redskins are the weirdest team. They, <laughs> if you, really as soon are. as you say they're out of it, Kirk Cousins just fires up. But then as soon as you you say you like them, they're gone. Actually, I will say I like them. Then <laughs> I think they're going to go very very well. No, well yeah, done. you just you, yeah, you've got no idea how they're going to go. The Giants, I just the Giants aren't good. I don't think the Giants are good either, but they'll they'll find a way. They'll find a way. Yeah. Philly, I just think, uh, like I said, the divisional record will put them out of touch, even though I do think their team is well-rounded, despite missing Josh Huff. Yeah, it's... <laughs> well done. Uh, I was just looking through the rest of our, our record. You mentioned Del Rio as Coach of the Year candidate, and uh, he and I mentioned Mike Zimmer. So two of those guys, I think, are are in the conversation. So we'll wait and see how that pans out. But I'm with you. Like that that Philly loss last week, we talked about how important that was for both teams in terms of playoff percentage chances, and it's a it's a brutal blow in the division. So it's just I really want to see if the Giants' offense can sustain what they're doing because they're very flawed. That if they can't pass on a team, they're not going to win a game because they cannot run the ball at all. Um, so we'll wait and see. And yeah, you yeah, win. they have they have no run game, but it's also going to be interesting to see how they handle the whole Romo Dak situation. And you know that Dallas, might yeah. cause a collapse. You don't know if that's going to divide the locker room, and you don't know whether mm. Romo comes in. And then he loses the game, what they do. Yep. And then say, then they keep him in and he loses another game. So they bring back Dak. And then who knows? He might just have a collapse and be like, nah, you didn't have a bag. Who but, knows? What yeah, that's, that's the absolute worst case scenario for Dallas. And it's a scenario that can happen because you just, the psychology in sports, you just can, you can never explain how, how subtle changes and, and, and moves like that can really change a team. And uh, we'll wait and see how that pans out. But that's, that's where we're at with our sort of our mid-season sort of power rankings and uh, playoff interpretation at the halfway point. We talked about the awards and and whatnot last week. If you want to listen back to that, give that a go. But that's where we are with uh, with the halfway point of the season. We've got the NFL in four tiers: the Patriots, then you've got the good teams: Dallas, Oakland, Atlanta, and Seattle. A whole list of mediocrity, and then your bad teams: Cleveland, Jacksonville, San Fran, Chicago, New York. Jets and the Los Angeles Rams. So that's where we're at in the Wooten Y interpretation of a bizarre, bizarre year in the NFL, and not just the NFL, in the world. And that's that wraps up the show. Actually, no, it doesn't. No, it Gosh, doesn't. I uh, fooled you. I was one step ahead. Thursday, you were. Now I've got to edit out the swear word. This week's NFL lines are brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. Thursday night football this week. We've got a... Uh, an interesting matchup. It's one that, you know, not quite going to hit the prime time of what we saw on Monday night, which was probably the prime time game of the year. But we've got the Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we remember last year there was the uh, field goal attempt that was blocked uh, and run back. It was the most Browns loss ever, if that's, uh, or at least one of them. I think Mark Sessler ended up ranking all of their worst losses in franchise history. I think that cracked the top five. So. Interesting game, but the line is ten. Baltimore minus ten at a dollar ninety-five. Cleveland plus ten at a dollar eighty-seven. I really wish this was a home game for Cleveland because I think that would have been a chance for them to get their first win. But Thursday night football teams at home, it's really hard to pick against. I'm going Cleveland. Yeah, I am as well. Plus ten, I absolutely. But I'm turns in terms of outright. If they were playing at home, I probably would have taken them straight because I don't think Baltimore are a very good team, and I know Cleveland got absolutely decimated by Dallas last week, but Dallas are a very, 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 very good team compared to Baltimore. But the 10 seems ridiculous. 
Yeah, t- ten's extreme. Where do they get ten from for this Baltimore team? Have they been watching them at all, or is it just they've been focused oh. on the election? Probably focused on the election this week. It was uh, it was a huge, huge, huge betting market, but it's hard. Like we keep buying into these big Cleveland lines, and they they seem to cover when we pick a, pick against them, and then they don't cover when we pick them. But uh, I think the line should be around seven and a half. I don't think ten. I think ten's just a little bit crazy. Uh, I don't think the Ravens are capable of blowing teams out the way they build at this point. I, I can't see them running away with a game like that. Me either, and just the way you just ripped on Flacco, <laughs> mate. He's not elite. Yeah, you know, you you watch. He'll come out. Probably. And he'll say something in his press conference. There was a guy in Australia that called me out this week, and that would yeah, require Joe Flacco showing one ounce of personality, and that's you know that's not going to happen. Yeah, he'll just hold up a sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I'm I'm taking Cleveland plus ten. I just think. I just can't, yeah, I just can't pick the Ravens giving double digits. My bold prediction of Tyrod, I mean Tyrod, <laughs> um, uh, Terrell Pryor throwing a touchdown. That's got, that still has to come true this season. You're waiting for that? If, it's got to happen. If I happen. if I said to you Baltimore are the worst ranked team in, offensively in the NFL, would you believe me? In DVOA. Yeah, because I don't... In DVOA. Well, they don't have anything on offense besides a 70-million-year-old Steve Smith. Yep. So, yeah. Who can still trash talk like the best of them. Called out Mike Mitchell. Said that he's not even in the same league as his son, which is insane. I really want more. Which is, I mean, it's insane and factual. Yeah, probably. (laughs) So, you know, Cleveland have just come off playing the number two-ranked offensive team in DVOA in Dallas, and now they face the worst offense in the NFL in... uh, in Baltimore, remember the last time they played, they got off to that really hot lead, and and it could have won if Josh McCowan um, didn't get injured. So yeah, we're both going to take uh, Cleveland plus ten in this one. So uh, gamble responsibly, gamble with William Hill, proud sponsor of the Wooten Y podcast, and that is the conclusion of the show. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at jynfl. You can follow Josh at Trump Lovers sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> or Wood, etc. Please, someone Wood, someone make that Twitter handle for him. And uh, you can follow the show at Woot and Why. And you can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Wooshka, and Radio Hub. Please, tickets are still available for the Lunar Bowl. Buy them and enjoy Sydney's best Super Bowl party. Peace. <laughs>